Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, podcast listeners, or good evening, wherever you are around the world for at this time. But welcome to the podcast today, guys. I have to say, on Friday when doing research for this stuff, I was quite shocked on what was being reported currently. And at the same time, there are things that I want to be able to talk about currently at this time that kind of make me excited about where things are going or potentially going in the market. Okay. First things first, we're going to talk about how casino stocks have taken a hit as inflation rocks the economy. And my question now is going to become, and I'll explain more details later, is, is the market overreacting currently to casino stocks? Starbucks North America had to leave and as the company chain shakes up leadership currently right now. Nightscope has some, some companies are writing about Nightscope now. And according to Yahoo Finance, Robots to Watch, a deep dive into Nightscope's reports of growth and the autonomous security in the first half of 2022. Then finally, we're going to talk about China and how China's President Xi says trade with China to hit new records in coming months and how that ties in a little bit with what's happening in India right now. With that being said, guys, like I always say at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. Please go talk to your own professional advisor before making any financial decisions as your professional advisor would know your financial decision a lot more than I would. I cannot give you financial advice. I am not a professional advisor. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and for people wishing to seek out information. Please do your own research before making any investment decisions. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Casino stocks are taking a hit as consumers struggle with inflation and recession fears. Okay. From CNBC, shares of casino companies have plummeted even as inflation has soared at the rates not seen in four decades and fear of recession rattles consumers and investors alike. Caesars Entertainment stock has plummeted 50% so far this quarter. Bally's has dropped 40% over the same time period. And Penn National Gaming and MGM Resorts shares have declined 35%. To compare the S&P 500, which entered which recently entered a bear market, is down near 90% this quarter. Yet the nation's commercial casinos just had their best April ever, according to the American Gaming Association. The industry posted $4.9 billion in revenue, up 12.4% year over year. It's the second highest grossing month fall correction. It's the second highest grossing month ever following March of this year. On the earnings call in April and May, casino executives collectively denied seeing any slowdown in, in customer spending in spite of soaring gas, housing, and food costs, except in very lowest, except for in the very lowest demographic of customer of, cons, of customer. In a note published this week, Jeffrey's gaming analysis David Katz wrote that meetings with management teams in Las Vegas provided evidence of a dichotomy between the current operating strengths and market's expectations of a recession. Katz wrote that MGM Caesars, Wynn Resorts, Boyd Gaming, Golden Entertainment, and Red Rock Resorts, which owns Stations Casino, says business levels continue to be very strong in the second and third quarter, with demand pricing and volume levels above 2019 strong bookings into 2023. At conference businesses, international travel rebound in Las Vegas. But Derek Stevenson's owners of three downtown Las Vegas properties, including 
uh, Circa is telling a different story. In April, he told CNBC he was beginning to see the impact from inflation based on the amount of cash being withdrawn from casino ATMs. There are no let-ups since then, he told CNBC this week. It's just really accelerated, Stephen said. Every weekend has been worse than the prior weekend. He described it as a downward spiral. Bars have suffered the biggest percentage decline, and the gaming has seen the biggest impact as slots and table games have experienced a slowdown. And yet, Stephen said demand for travel is still there. Reservations at the Las Vegas hotel are holding steadily without any room discounts. Hotel guests are limiting their spending elsewhere. He added, noting that that customers are spending less on restaurants and extra amenities at the pool and other discretionary items. If you're on the West Coast, you might have felt it a little bit quicker because of gas prices, Stephen said, referring to California's super high fuel costs you can immediately see in the discretionary consumer spending. I don't 100% fully agree with that, and this is why. So in April, I was in Las Vegas, okay? I was there for a girls volleyball tournament. And in fact, this week, in fact, going this week, I'm heading back to Vegas for another girls volleyball tournament. When I was in Vegas in April, okay, it was packed every single night. It didn't matter if it was if it was the New York, New York, if it was Caesars, if it was MGM, it was packed everywhere. Now, granted, it was in the evening when I had noticed this, but at least when I was there, that it was packed. And not only that, but the, I think it's Las Vegas Boulevard, I think it was. Las Vegas Boulevard was packed every single night as well. Okay. I don't 100% believe Stevens on this. Yeah, maybe the bars are suffering where he's at, but the casinos, in my opinion, are doing really, really well right now. Okay. And granted, I, I don't gamble, so I can't really say how the gambling side of thing is, but I just remember just walking in, like in particular, going back to my hotel room and just seeing the gambling just going crazy. Okay. Maybe people are spending less money. I could agree with you on that, Stevens. But at the end of the day, it's hard to believe that Las Vegas is currently struggling when just in April, it was insanely packed. And even talking to the people at the casinos, like the security or the people running the front desk when you had to check in, they even said it was pretty busy for them and it was nonstop ever since COVID too. So it's hard to tell who to believe currently right now, but I have a hard, I'll know this week who's right, whether it's Stevens, Wall Street, or the other casinos, because I'm going back this week. And I'm maybe I'll talk about it when I get to Vegas to see how things are feeling after a day or two. I'm going to try to keep podcasting in Vegas while I can. But obviously, the girls volleyball tournament will take a little bit more importance if I don't post as much. Okay. On to the next article. Starbucks North America had to leave the company as chain shakes up leadership. I have to say, this is going to get very interesting with Starbucks because Starbucks has a tendency of shaking things up a lot recently, okay? From CNBC as they're reporting, Starbucks North America president Roseanne Williams is leaving the company and will be replaced by the head of the coffee chain's Asia Pacific division. The announcement on Friday makes the latest change to the company under interim CEO Howard Schultz, who returned... Who returned who returned on the top of the job in April after the departure of former CEO Kevin Johnson. Schultz is slated to stick around in the role through around the end of the year after the board names a long-term successor. In his time so far, Schultz has paused the company's stock buyback program, committed $1 billion to raising wages and improve uh, cafes, and vocally pushed against union efforts. 
I have to say, Schultz is going to be able to get this going again at the end of the day. Schultz is a super smart person. And needless to say, he's just going to be able to get things back on track. Continuing on the article, as we embark on the next chapter, we have made a difficult but necessary change to our North American business, a change that creates new leadership for the new era at Starbucks. John Culver, the company chief operating officer, wrote in a memo to employers reviewed by CNBC. The decision was not taken lightly and one preceded by discussion about the next opportunity for Roseanne within the company, which she declined. Williams has worked for Starbucks since 2004 when she joined the coffee chain after stints at Toys R Us and Blockbuster over the last year. She's been on one of the public faces of the company efforts to curb unionization efforts by its Bartistas. More than 150 Starbucks cafes in the U.S. have voted to unionize as of Friday. Okay. The Wall Street Journal first reported Williams' departure. Sarah Tilling, the current serves as president at Starbucks Asia Pacific Business, will succeed Williams in the role effective Tuesday. Tilling has been within the company for two decades, starting out in the creative studio, working on the retail store design and working her way up. Williams will help her with transaction, transition through June and Cliff Barles, president of the company's American division, will also assist in the advisory role. Howard Schultz is probably going to end up putting someone good in charge to take over for this. But at the end of the day, it's going to be wondering soon who's going to take Howard Schultz spots. Okay, I'm sorry, but at the end of the day, when I think of Starbucks, I think of Howard Schultz. Starbucks tends to do better with Howard Schultz in general. Okay, he has to be in charge. But this this would be the third time if Howard Schultz steps down. He would, this will be the third time he stepped down as CEO. And I expect Starbucks stock to suffer a little bit too when that happens. Okay, sorry Howard. Your name is going to be always tied with Starbucks. If I were you, I would just keep working at Starbucks. Pretty much be like Steve Jobs. Keep going until the end. Because that's the only way investors are potentially going to be making money is based off what's happening at with the CEO currently. So yeah, Howard, stay in charge. But at the same time, it's good to see that... Uh, that there's going to be more of a shakeup now for Starbucks. So on to the next article. Robots to watch a deep dive into Nightscope reports on growth in the autonomous security in the first half of 2022. From New York, June 15th. Now, granted, before I read this article, I do have a very small position in Nightscope. And I'm not advising to invest in the company, but it's still a very interesting read to see what's happening with Nightscope. From New York. Nightscope, Inc., a company that, de that deploys autonomous security robots, has reportedly been making major moves. Looking back at the first six months of 2022, the company says it has plenty to celebrate as it becomes what some call the go-in-on-premise security. Within the first few weeks in January, the company states it, hits a, it hit the payment extra hard, securing new contracts, working through a large backlog of orders, and even kicking off the new year with a listing on the Nasdaq Stock Exchange. Prior to the listing, Nightscope secured over $120 million since inception from over 35,000 investors. Capitalizing on recent momentum, celebrating its ninth anniversary, Nightscope entered into the $100 million common stock purchase agreement with B. Riley Principal Capital. The commitment provides Nightscope with the right with obligation to sell and issue up to $100 million of its Class A common stock within 24 months, but is subject to certain limitations. Nightscope has also reported being expanded its management engineering and diversity team with the addition of four new executives and a clear vision for the future. An award-winning influencer and corporate diversity governance was elected to serve the board and former chief contractor for government and U.S. defense agencies was appointed at the new direct for robotics engineering. 
At the start of the new year, Nightscope announced a collaboration to protect a school district in Colorado, a state that was still scars left by the mass shootings of Columbine and Aurora. The company expressed both excitement and honor in serving the community, quote, being able to deliver real-time intelligence to law enforcement during a crisis is paramount to bringing a potential tragic event to a conclusion faster and safer. Kids are our future, and we will do anything we can to help protect them. The company wrote on its website, less than a week later, Nightscope reported a second contract, this time with a private school in Florida who saw value in tightening the patrol of several parking lots subject to an influx of traffic. As a part of the school autonomous security program, the robots protect students, businesses, and vehicles to deter trespassers who might put students in harm's way. Now, that's just the school end and potential investors who can invest into the company, okay? So probably a lot of you are now thinking, well, how is this going to affect the company's stock going forward? You said there was multiple contracts. And I agree. They had, there has to be more to this, right? There is. Okay. And this is where the meat of this article comes from. CREs, retail and multifamily housing units. Okay. You got to think, where could you put a security robot to pretty much help officers do their job a little bit better? Okay. Teaming up with the Impact Developer, whose primary focus is on raising the standard of living for senior and multifamily properties throughout the country, Nightscope was commissioned to protect one of the company's Washington, D.C. properties with the expectation of serving multiple properties in the future. Nightscope also expansion in the great state of Texas, and robots are now, and this is where they are now, okay? They're officially an on-duty a luxury waterfront high-rise condominium in Seabrook. Uh, partnering with a privately held company that owns 25 multifamily properties in Texas Deep South, protecting minority-owned manufacturer of premium quality uh, lubricants and automotive industrial industrial and drilling, and managing security and client with more than 180 different apartment communities and 60,000 homes in five major cities. They go on to report more that Nightscope was also able to charge over a Twin Tower office complex in the heart of Silicon Valley, earning a prestigious and added amenity to helipads, EV charging stations, and bike locks near the Mineta San Jose International Airport. They signed a contract with a 100-year-old fourth-generation recycling center. They signed a contract with a Nashville 10-story parking structure. In Yonkers, the company joined forces with local shopping center owner to promote a more enjoyable shopping experience for customers. They signed on several Fortune 500 companies, including a distribution center in Kentucky and a 970,000-square-foot distribution center for an S&P 500 company and a centuries-old consumers manufacturer on 19.5 acres of land in San Bernardino, California. And finally, the oh, no, no, not even finally. I can go on a little bit more. Like, for instance, they signed with a, with a clothing company company that's has 25 billion credit union they teamed up with a hospital security team that has potentially 40 hospitals and 700 medical staffs across the country they signed a contract in las vegas i hope when i'm in vegas i can find that where they're trying to put it that'd be interesting to figure out where that's located but i doubt i'll be able to find it they partnered with southern california casino for the ongoing robot roadshow which they're having they landed a contract with a fortune 1000 chain of hotels and resorts in seattle and they found a new home of Top Choice Hotel not far from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And finally, the biggest news of them all. They forged a strategical, technical alliance and partnership with Nightscope and Allied Universal Technology Service, a division of Allied Universal and Blackstone Inc., which has led co- both companies to fully optimize their security capabilities and develop better tactics for risk uh, mitigation and create top-notch threat response systems. I firmly believe Nightscope is the future. 
I really do. And I cannot give you financial advice on this. Okay. It's, this is just hundred percent my opinion. If they're doing this now, what's going to happen in a few years. Okay. This is like insane technology. It's to help officers. Okay. I was recently talking to a friend and he corrected me on my statement that it's like for every one officer would have to protect 400 people at a time at the, at the time, I believe it was, I think I said 150. Well, apparently he told me it was 400. It's going to help expand the capabilities of Nightscope. This is only the first half of the year that Nightscope is doing this. Like I said, what's going to happen in the second half of the year? What's going to happen when Nightscope finally announces that they can sell contracts to the federal government? Because we did report about that on this podcast where they were now able to, they were in process, which was only, only 84 companies have ever reached that stage. But what's going to happen when Nightscope actually gets into that stage of being able to sell to the federal government? It changes everything for Nightscope. And it hopefully changes everything for us here in this country. Keep an eye out for Nightscope, guys. I personally believe soon Wall Street's going to continue to be talking about this stock soon. There's They're sleeping on Nightscope, in my opinion. But Nightscope's time is coming. And when it finally does come, a lot of people are going to potentially regret. But I can't give you financial advice, so please do your own research before investing in Nightscope, guys. Because I cannot tell you what to do. Continuing on now from world politics and CNBC news of what's happening with the markets. China Xi says trade with Russia expected to hit new records in coming months. We talked about this when we first started this podcast that Russia would eventually start trading more with Russia. Russia would start trading more with China. It's now finally happening. In Beijing, Chinese President Xi Jinping on Friday emphasized his country's commitment to trading with Russia despite Western sanctions against Moscow over invasion of Ukraine. Quote, today our cooperation between Russia and China is rising, Xi said, according to the official English translation carried by Russian state broadcaster RT. He cited Russia's Vladimir Putin visit to Beijing in early February. Quote, trade over the first half of this year has been in tens of billions of U.S. dollars, and we expect new records in incoming months which is a testament of the great cooperation between our two nations, Xi said. The Chinese leader was speaking via video at the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum plenary sessions, which Putin opened with a speech over an hour long. The official Chinese state media read readout to Xi's remarks did not mention new records in trade between China and Russia. The readout did call for the removal of trade barriers and greater cooperation with other countries, including Russia. In both the Chinese readout and the RT translation, Xi emphasized how China's economic potential has not changed and talked about the further development of the Belt and Road Initiative. Trade between China and Russia totaled $65.81 billion in the first five months of this year, up 28.9% from a year ago, according to China Custom Data. Most of the growth came from Chinese imports from Russia. Beijing has refused to call Russia's attack on Ukraine an invasion after a high-profile meeting between Xi and Putin in early February. A readout said there were no limits or forbidden areas of cooperation without mentioning Ukraine. Earlier this week, Xi said in a phone call that Putin, that Kiev, and Moscow should push for a proper settlement in the ongoing war in Ukraine, according to the Chinese readout of the call. China, they have a national interest in mind, Putin said Friday, following Xi's remark, according to RT English translation, quote, but we do not contradict each other. He described Russia's relationship with China as friendly, but noted that it does not mean China should play along with us in everything. We don't need that. Xi has spoken with the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, since Russia invaded Ukraine in late February. 
For, from Germany to Japan, many countries have joined the U.S. in freezing assets of Russian oligarchs, restricting access to Russia's biggest bank to the global financial system, and cutting off Russia from critical technology. I think the technology part's not really that big of a deal for Russia because their their economy is mostly run on oil, if I'm not mistaken. So, continuing on with the article, before we tie this in with India, 25th St. Petersburg International Economic Forum runs from Wednesday to Saturday this year. The forum is sometimes called the Russian Davos. And we don't need to worry about that, actually. We're going to, this is what I'm going to say. Okay. China's going to keep importing things from Russia. And they're probably going to keep importing cheap oil from Russia. China's in demand for oil, most likely. Okay. COVID's coming to an end for China. They have people who they need to get oil to. And to get the energy that's needed to start up their economy. I think Shanghai's reopening up again and Beijing's opening up. But even India's taking advantage of this, okay? From business, from hindustantimes.com, Russia becomes India's second biggest oil export trade source, okay? Russia rose to become India's second biggest supplier of oil in May, pushing Saudi Arabia into third place, but still behind Iraq, which remains number one data from trade sources uh, showed. In May, India refineries received about 819,000 barrels per day of Russian oil, the highest thus far in any month compared to 277,000 in April, the data showed. Western sanctions against Russia for the invasion of Ukraine prompted many oil importers to shun trade with Moscow, pushing spot prices for Russian crude to record record discounts against other grades. That provided India refineries, which rarely used to buy Russian oil due to high freight costs, an opportunity to snap up at low-priced crude. Russia grades accounted for about 16.5% of India overall oil imports in May and helped raise the share of oil from the CIS countries to about 20.5%, while from that, that from the Middle East declined to about 59.9%, the data showed. The share of African oil in India crude imports last month surged 11.5% from 5.9% April, the data showed. Diesel is calling the tune. If you want to boost production of diesel and jet fuel, you'll need Nigeria and Al. Algolian grades. China has cut imports to Algonia grades because of COVID-related shutdowns. Of, so, so some of these barrels are going to Europe and some to India. India's importing. Okay, it says here India imports in May totaled. This is India's oil imports totaled 4.98 million. Okay, I know that doesn't seem like a big number. I think the U.S. imports way more oil every single day, but right now India is importing the oil from Russia. It's cheap. They're going to keep importing it. And I would not be surprised if China's doing almost the exact same thing. Okay. Potentially, when this war ends with Ukraine and Russia, I mean, U- Ukraine and Russia, when it ends, India and China might not be importing as much oil anymore from Russia. Well, China, China might, but India might not as much anymore. But maybe India is taking advantage of it. Okay. Because here's here's an interesting thing to think about with India. India and China do not like each other at all, okay? They're, they're disputing over land, I believe. And this ties in with the last thing we're going to talk about, how it potentially could affect markets potentially going forward. India bolsters arms ties with West to severe Russia dependence. India is making overtures to Israel and the U.S. and Europe in an effort to reduce its dependence on Russian arms as the war in Ukraine highlights the risk of relying too heavily by a single partner. The war has pushed Russia closer to China, which India considers its biggest threat as the countries remain embroiled in a border dispute. New Delhi is now exploring ways to possibly reduce its Russia dependence. India Prime Minister 
urged Israel defense companies to set up shop in India in a meeting with Israel Defense Administration Benjamin Gantz. This month, India and Israel have depended have deepened cooperation on defense in recent years. During Modi's tour of Europe last month, he and French Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron agreed on more French involvement in India's campaign for greater self-reliance, including an advanced defense technology. In April, Modi and Prime Minister Boris Johnson issued a statement outlining plans for the UK to provide technology assistance for India's new homegrown fighter jets. Okay, Somewhere in this article, it mentions that India has been buying arms from Russia since the Cold War. Okay. And I remember doing my research a little bit and I couldn't find the article to be able to talk about a little bit more, but it said that India was still importing arms from Russia. Okay. People keep talking about Ukraine and Russia and then people talk about Taiwan and China. What's going to happen soon with India and China? In my honest opinion, the United States is currently struggling. The United States might hit a recession potentially because we keep reading about it. But India and China is getting cheap oil from Russia. What if India and China become the next global power in the making? And, and China's not that far behind from the United States. I believe China's number two. And I don't know where India falls on this list. But India's trying to stay with China because they, they are threatened by China. What's going to happen if a war breaks out between India and China? In all seriousness, it's something I, I'm, I'm seriously thinking about right now. What's going to happen to the markets then? What's going to happen when the war with Russia and Ukraine ends? Obviously, too. China's buying up stuff from Russia. India's buying up oil and arms and obviously buying more arms from Israel and potentially the United States. Okay. Because it says here, India's military ties to its Russian date back to the Soviet era. Of the $13.2 billion worth of arms India imported between 2000 and tw 2016 and 2022, 49% came from Russia, according to the Stockholm International Peace Research Institution. France followed with 18%, Israel 13%, and the U.S. with 11%. India so far has avoided denouncing Russia over to Ukraine invasion and the resulting war. But most of the international community stands against Russia, which has influenced public opinion within India as well. New Delhi is now working to find a more diverse set of suppliers for military equipment. What's going to happen when this war ends with Ukraine and, and Russia? In all seriousness, India is importing a lot of oil. And they're still importing arms from Russia. Who knows what China is importing from Russia? I would assume oil, maybe more technology too for military stuff. That's probably going to be another conflict soon. Because if you think about it too, India has issues, I think with Pakistan, was it? Or there's some Middle Eastern country. I can't remember which one it was. But they have their own issues too with that country. So India is kind of surrounded on both sides. It would not surprise me if we have a potential another war in the making soon. And I wouldn't be surprised if India and China are somehow involved, whether with each other or against each other. It's going to be hard to tell, but I can tell you this. Potentially, when the market starts tanking, that's when things will probably get really messy, potentially, in the United States at least. And I expect con government contractors to continue to make decent money if India is trying to get diverse portfolio for importing arms. Quite sad that the market doesn't talk about this, but we'll continue talking about it. Keep an eye on that for that, guys, because things are going to continue to get bumpy potentially in the market. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, I ask that you please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription and follow that we get can help grow it so we can be able to keep growing this podcast and be able to keep talking about what's happening in the markets. 
please also share this with friends or family as every share that we get can also help grow this podcast faster. So we're going to be able to keep talking about what's happening in the markets with news that Wall Street isn't always willing to report. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.